And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shorten. And I'm Lara Lanamy. On today's show, Saskia's back. She's talking about Disability History Month. Han talks to Carl about the boy who saw in colours. And Lara's one of them. Yes, those queer scientists are back again. Oh, yes, we are. Let's start the show. Welcome, one and all. Um, the wonderful Lara. Hello, how are you, my love? I am good, thank you very much. The wonderful Lara, are you feeling okay? Yeah, well, it's nearly Christmas, isn't it? You know, so I so got to be nice. Uh, over here. And uh, the lovely, lovely Mr. Tosh is back, um, reading very professional news with Terry later on and all. Mm, um, and and she who should not be named. Hello. Seth. The one with the two hearts, yes. Two hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're calling them? <laughs> that's what uh, that's what Terry called it. Um, and the lovely uh, Mr. H as well. Hello, Andy. How are you? Ah, hello. I'm good. Thank you. I hope everyone is well. Yeah. We are. I'm, I'm still hyped. I mean, listeners won't hear it for a few weeks, but we recorded our Christmas show on Sunday, just gone. And, and I was laughing playing it all back, especially when you got all the backing tracks on it. It was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So one one definitely to listen to. Um, that's that's coming yes. um, in two weeks' time, actually. Um, so, yeah. It's like a tradition, isn't it? Like the two Roddies Christmas special is the shout out. <laughs> I was quite worried how it would work with everyone being so remote, but actually it worked really, really well. Um, you know, and it, it was really was good, good fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. We all know now, just like, well, no, I won't do any spoilers. I, I was going to say something about, <laughs> about what we should or shouldn't do with Mr. Tosh, but uh, no the lesson will be learned on the no night. Stay tuned and you will hear us all gasp, like, excuse to do with Matthew <laughs> this cunning man of slippery or science or whatever he did his thing and we, we're he's a bit really. of a dark horse isn't he so. dark horse uh, anyway, half of it anyway uh, absolutely packed show um, tonight so let's head straight over and uh, catch up with Saski and Disability History Month have a listen to this Saski 5 oh yes Hey everyone, welcome to my shout out Sasky 7. Now this month is UK Disability History Month. So who better to have with me than one of my good friends who is also an author, life coach, LGBT plus and disability rights activist, Miss Sally Edwards. Sally, how you doing? Hey, I'm fine. How are you doing? Uh, I'm really good. I'm really good. Thank you. Listen, I, I, I know we've spoke before and I always love uh, speaking to you, but obviously this is quite um, uh, important history month. And as, a, as someone who um, is from the uh, disabled community, uh, would you give us a bit more insight about, I want to know about how we can be better allies. I want to know what we can do to uh, make a difference. And also, I know you've got some fun, positive stories as well about being in a pub in Glasgow that you might get to, to tell us. I think this is really good. But let's talk a bit more um, about, you know, the current real state of affairs. You know, we have got the Equality Act 2010 uh, in the UK, but still, 
disability as one of the nine protected characteristics people with disabilities uh, still seem to be marginalized and there doesn't seem to have been much change how do you feel about that do you feel there has been much change in in working towards better access for wheelchair users as an example well i certainly feel from when i look back from when i was a child to now there's definitely being a, a huge shift i mean the fact that when i was a child the equalities act wasn't even around you know it, it came out of the late 80s early 90s mm. um so that in itself is really positive and i think as a whole more people are more aware um because of the visibility that we get through the media there's for example there's been loads of tv documentary programs uh featuring disabled people um and I think that's the way forward. The more we do that, we, the more that we put people with disabilities on people's screens and to their TV on a Saturday night or a Monday afternoon, you know, the the more we'll be accepted as part as everybody else. And, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, visibility is key. And, and as a uh, campaign uh, activist, campaign rights activist. You you also won uh, a community champion award uh, for Diva Awards previously. Um, but it is about speaking up and speaking out, isn't it? I mean, do you um, tell us about the story in Glasgow? On that note, and I, I and I, I just love because of the instant access, and it just goes to show how things can easily be changed for a positive difference. Yeah, I mean it's. It's very easy to complain about when things go wrong and um, when things are good doesn't often get the highlight but I went into a Glasgow city centre pub with my partner one afternoon and um, I asked where the accessible bathroom was I was shown where it was mm. used the facility but unfortunately the uh, the uh, electronic um, hand drying machine was actually yeah. quite high up on the wall everywhere else was accessible so I thought right I need to highlight this because obviously nobody else has, otherwise it wouldn't be there. So I mm. went and had a word with the, with the bar manager at the time and, and mentioned it. Before I'd had a chance to order my pint and sit back down at the table, one of the other guys from the bar came from the back with a great big toolkit, went into the bathroom, pulled the thing off the wall, lowered it and came back and asked me for advice as to whether it was in the right place or not. With an instant. And, you know, that... That never happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't, and I love that. And I mean, look, I mean, we're we're laughing about it now, but this is a reality, isn't it? And that, and the fact is that it, these simple tweaks and changes that are just, you know, many many people just overlook and don't even pay attention to, or, or it doesn't affect their day lives. But just goes to show how easily um, these things can make a difference. Um, you know, with that, we were talking before about um, how can we all be better allies to the disabled community or what can maybe in the workplace people do to make changes. Tell us a bit more about your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I've been thinking about this now for a while, and I'm, and I'm aware, you know, when you've got places of employment, you've got the, uh, the people that are in charge, the management, and whenever you start a job, um, you, you go through a series of training to make sure that you're up on all of their policies, etc. You know, first aid health and safety in the workplace, that um, that kind of thing. I personally think that uh, each employer should set up a system within their training where their employees have disability awareness training, particularly if they're in a job where they're serving the public, whether that's in a restaurant, um, 
at a cinema somewhere or providing a service in the shop or something like that where they can all go and say yeah we've got that training and that it and it's updated like they could go on it at least once a, once every year for however long that they're there as a refresher and i think that will um make a huge difference specifically if they bring in trainers that are trained to give that work uh, give that advice who are disabled themselves and i know they're out there mm. um I think that would make a huge difference. Yeah, no, actually, it's really true, isn't it? Because whilst there's all policies around equality and diversity and inclusion, actually, th these things like the underrepresented groups, you know, just as where it's, uh, you know, thinking about race, religion, you know, um, gender, sexual orientation, disability, like everything, it really does need to be... Um, put in place where where people are literally hearing it from people who have had those lift experiences i do think that has a much uh, a, a stronger impact as well actually and it's something that uh, more and more organizations should be held accountable for and, and making sure that they have that in place so before we go sal i know that you are as i said earlier you are also um, a, a, an activist, but you're an author uh, and a life coach. Um, one of your books, just give us a shout out for one of your books that you'd want to promote at this stage for people and where can they find it? Uh, well, the, the most recent one isn't, isn't ready yet, but I, I published one about a year ago, uh, which is called um, Behind the Mask, and that's available on Amazon. And I'm currently working on a, no a novel which is actually based in the, in, in the States. Fabulous. Wow. Where can people find you on social media, Sal? Uh, they can find me at Sally Edwards Author on Facebook. They can find my author's Instagram at Edigator1. And they can look me up on Facebook, just my ordinary life coaching page, which is Warrior on Wheels Life Coaching. Fabulous. Listen, thank you so much, Sally, and continue your great work with your campaign work and your writing and as a life coach and everything you do, your true inspiration with the work that you do. And uh, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. LGBT Radio for you. Hello, today I'm chatting with Carl Shilton about a brilliantly unique book written by Lauren Robinson called The Boy Who Saw in Colours. Um, hi, Carl. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to talk about this, actually, um, and thank you for introducing me to the book. It's not something I would normally pick up, um, and that's mainly because it's about Nazi Germany. But mm -hmm. um, before I say too much... Would you like to, to sort of share your thoughts on it? Sure. Okay. So um, the book, it, The Boy Who Saw in Colours, is, as you said, it's it's set in uh, World War II Nazi mm. Germany. Um, it's just really unique because it's an incredibly beautifully written debut novel. It's basically a coming-of-age story um, about uh, a 12-year-old boy called Joseph who mm. suffers with uh, synesthesia. Um, I say suffers with, he very much doesn't see it that way. He sees the world in just these beautiful, unique, unusual colours and he wants to paint what he sees around him. He wants to be a painter, he wants to be an artist. Of course, uh, growing up where he does, it means that that's not seen as a, a an acceptable path to follow. And... Uh, 
he uh, ends up being sent to a boarding school. Um, the big surprise for me came when I realised that this boarding school was actually a Hitler Youth training camp. Yeah. And I got a real cognitive dissonance reading the book because I suddenly realised that I was empathising with people who were literally Nazis and I found that really really difficult I found it really difficult to come to and then realised that that's one of the geniuses of the the novel Um, it takes the this very um, stylized image that we have of of those people at that time and makes you realise that they were still human beings they were still even though they were doing terrible things and they were, you know, committing these acts of, uh, mm. of atrocity. Um, they're still human beings who are living their lives. Yeah, exactly that. And I think, you know, you, you said it there, but it's that um, kind of automatic empathy that people can have for human beings, you know, mm-hmm. human to human connection. And the fact that he's 12 and his brother's quite a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are some really subtle sort of nods to those um, human emotions that are going on for them. Um, when he talks about his brother having separation anxiety and mm. just talking about um, the paintbrush that he goes back to that, that he was given by his grandmother yes. and holding on to that even in the shower. And, yeah, um, because it's it's the one thing he's got left from his, his life previously. And even though nobody else really understands what it is, it's just a, a tatty old paintbrush to him. It's everything. Um, I think um, something that... Uh, it, is worth mentioning uh, about Joseph, about the main character, is that um, he is a, 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 an LGBT character, yeah. um, uh, which is one of the reasons why I, I wanted to read the book. Mm. And really, it, what really struck me, what's really interesting, is that even though he is an LGBT character, it's almost not relevant. Um, he kind of, as he gets older, he comes to a, an awareness of it. And there is a, you, you could call it a romantic subplot, but it's mm-hmm. very much that kind of first love um, kind of teenage boys in a, in a boarding school, uh, realising that they're developing these emotions. But it's it's so overwhelmed by everything else that's going on. It's a really minor plot point. And that was really, really refreshing to have a coming of age novel set in this very uh, unusual situation with an LGBT character, but the story wasn't about him being gay. The story was about the the world he's living in and and the, the, the experiences he's having. So it was really refreshing to read a book where with that, gay protagonist but it wasn't about the struggle of coming to terms with who he was um, in that sense yeah very much so um i was reading your review um and one of them mentioned that um well i read a few but that he prefers painting to fighting Hmm. um which which is true but actually he has got a very strong mind and he's very able to assert himself um and the same with his brother actually Hmm. i think and but but they're living in such um there's just so much um, anger around them um, and and so I think they do have a fear that sort of travels through the book as well um, and also it read to me almost like a diary you know it's actually very funny in parts mm. you know the mm-hmm. odd line here and there 
Um, yeah, I think we've made it sound very, very serious, but it, mm. there, there is a lot of humour in the book yes. as well. Um, and again, that's a, a real credit to the uh, to the, the talent of the author to be able to do that, to, to mm. find the humour in in these awful situations that these these people are living in. Um, one of the ways that I think the writer uses their talent is there's a lot of foreshadowing all the way through the book mm-hmm. you're continually told you know this character won't he literally says you know this this character won't be alive in the next chapter but that doesn't ruin anything it just kind of it builds that sense of unease mm-hmm. um a, another review i looked at said that was what it was like for a lot of people living in those times they knew that the people around them might not be here next week. They might, yeah. you know, they might be dead. So it, it, he's kind of literally describing what it's like to live uh, with with that situation and those feelings. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And also, um, one thing I really, really loved is that each chapter begins with a title, and then underneath it are um, three or four colours yeah. Yeah. Um, that are obviously symbolic to to Joseph, but also yeah. to to that chapter in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it, that's the real tie-in with the the synesthesia that mm. you're you're it, it's an attempt to see the world through his eyes um, and the colours that he sees and the the way that he he sees the world and I think ultimately even though there's because he's a twelve year old child there's a lot of confusion in there he's not aware of the the wider picture that's that's going on around him. I think ultimately the book does do that. You do see the world through his eyes and you do develop that empathy. Um, yeah. I think we go on the journey with him because it is hmm. so incredibly descriptive. It's very rare that I read a book so descriptive that it brings everything to life. And, and that, again, made me on edge because I felt how on edge, you know, somebody yeah. in his situation yeah. Yeah. would be. Well, because of the writing, um, uh, Lauren Robinson won uh, this year's Literary Titans Gold Book Award for fiction mm. for this, this Very novel, well which again, for a, de- a debut novel, is just mm. incredible. Um, well, we're coming to the end of the interview, um, but I just want to say, if anybody wants to um, have a read of this um, fantastic book, um, it is available on Kindle. It mm-hmm. is available, um, it's softback online, and it is also available as a PDF, I believe. Uh, I believe so. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I, 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 just to, to finish, I would definitely give it five stars. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Me too. I, I really, really highly recommend it. Me too. It's such a hard book to summarise in a few minutes, but mm-hmm. um, one, a, a really, really special one. So yeah, like Carl said, give it a, give it a read. Thank definitely. you, Carl. Thank you, Hans. Shout out LGBT Radio for you. This is Shout Out News on Thursday, the 3rd of December, 2020. 
Pink News, The Guardian, BBC and Sky News all gave prominence on Tuesday to an important High Court ruling which will have implications for young people with gender dysphoria and those wishing to transition to a different gender identity. The court ruled that those under 16 years of age must fully understand the physical and emotional effects of taking puberty blockers and hormone medication. The judges, delivering their verdict in a case brought by a detransitioner activist, said that they found it doubtful that under 16-year-olds could give meaningful consent to the treatment. In such cases, court authorisation is now recommended before treatment can begin. Pink News notes that the reverberations from this ruling may be felt globally, where other courts weigh up how trans young people access services. A spokesperson for the Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust, which is the foremost NHS trust dealing with trans young people, said, The trust is disappointed by today's judgment, and we understand that the outcome is likely to cause anxiety for patients and their families. The spokesperson confirmed that the trust is seeking leave to appeal the ruling. which is a charity dealing with young trans and gender questioning people, said that the ruling was a betrayal of the state's duty towards young trans people and added that they will make a full statement in due course. The case against the NHS Foundation Trust was partially brought by a woman called Kira Bell. Bell is part of a detransition movement which has been compared by some gay people to the ex-gay movement in the United States, which claims to be able to turn gay people straight. Pink News published pictures of Ms Bell, who said that she had been prescribed puberty blockers whilst considering transitioning with her supporters, one of whom was wearing garments bearing anti-transgender slogans, identifying them as part of the organised anti-transgender movement in the UK. New legislation in France which would prohibit people taking photographs or images of the faces of police officers has come under fire. Campaigners, including bloggers and some of the more radical parts of the LGBTQ movement, have collectively expressed concern about the proposal. In a country where public protest is very much a part of a dynamic democracy, this proposal, which passed the lower house of the French Parliament last Tuesday, is highly contentious. Act Up Paris was amongst those groups expressing concern. Several demonstrations have taken place in Paris against the new legislation and activists fear that the proposal is a carte blanche for unaccountable police actions. Steve Meller of Burnham-on-Sea-based LGBTQ radio service Love Wins Radio turns 33 this week and marked his birthday from 2 o'clock on this afternoon, Thursday the 3rd, on the station's Facebook and Mixler channels. Steve has been a figure on North Somerset's gay scene for some years and has built up a huge amount of respect for his work in combating domestic violence. Now, to better serve LGBT plus communities and play the music he loves, he set up the radio station, which is already turning ears in the region. Happy birthday, Steve, and nice to hear you'll be broadcasting throughout the Christmas season. Several news outlets have reported this week that the actor Elliot Page has come out as transgender. In a message that was posted to his social media accounts on World AIDS Day, Mr Page said, Hi friends, I want to share with you that I'm trans. My pronouns are he or they and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel an overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. 
Mr Page said that he is profoundly happy to be living an authentic life, but he added that it would be foolish not to acknowledge the cruelty and nastiness that some cisgender and heterosexual people exhibit when thinking they know anything about trans experience. He said in 2020 alone, it had been reported that at least 40 transgender people had been murdered, the majority of which were black and Latinx trans women. But he added, I love that I'm trans and I love that I'm queer. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, the more I dream, the more my heart grows and the more I thrive. Elliot Page's notable roles include Kitty Pride in the X-Men series, plus roles in Christopher Nolan's Inception, Whip It and Sony's reboot of Flatliners. He has produced and starred in films such as Tallulah and Freeheld, and last year marked his directorial debut examining environmental racism faced by people of colour and the First Nations communities of Canada. We would like to extend our very best wishes to Mr Page from all of us here at Shoutout. For these news stories and more, you can always check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Matthew Tosh and Terry Starr. Shoutout News. National and international LGBT news for you. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. Hello and welcome back to Quiz Science. We are here to exterminate homophobia. I'm Hans and I'm here with the wonderful Lara. Yeah, the wonderful me. Hello. <laughs> hey. Um, like i was trying to sing it in the tune but you just have to it's drag just that for out you. It's just oh, for you just so for you i know i have got a feeling though that today's pod is going to end up being uh, a little bit bigger on the inside than it looked on the outside mm. and probably as it did just then go a little bit wibbly wobbly timey wimey see what i did there oh unfortunately unfortunately did yeah so <laughs> i'm feeling today's podcast is about a certain doctor Doctor Who. Exactly. And more specifically, the 13th Doctor, played by Jodie Whittaker. Yep, and I'm so glad we're talking about Doctor Who today, because I don't know about... <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I grew up watching it. Um, I was glued to the screen um, quite regularly, as well as hiding behind a pillow every time I saw one of those dome-shaped eagle beings, you know, the ones who couldn't go up and down stairs and had whisks for hands. Um, yeah, you know, Daleks. <laughs> things. Yeah, those things. Of that a Dalek. That's it. Oh wow. Well, the weeping the, the, angels. The weeping angels. Yeah, exactly. No, but you didn't quite exactly. think quite a Dalek, but she was like <laughs> metal drifting through the. Air. It was okay. Yeah, but, go on. But when you're a child, that's pretty pretty creepy. No, it's to not. Be fair. It's really not. <laughs> I was scared of Disney films. What can I say? What can oh I say? wow. Okay. There's, <laughs> there's no limits. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, we anyway we can't go much further. 
without kind of talking about our, our top fave doctors of all time and mine have got to be Matt Smith David Tennant and now after a bit of a whirlwind love-hate relationship Jodie Whittaker <laughs> um, I did have a couple of other women in mind for that role Saran Jones being one of them but I do love her now um, how about you who are your faves I would agree with the Jodie Whittaker thing like I think she to me is great but she's a little bit too overzealous I don't know I feel like doctors have this thing where they spend time trying to live up to or surpass the previous doctors kind of role so it happens what I felt when Matt Smith came in after David Tennant he never quite like matched that level but my mm. favorite ones are Christopher Eccleston and is that the right name <laughs> it is Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant they were they are yeah. my favorite too because I think it was the episodes of writing um but the worst thing is I went back and looked at one of the episodes of David Tennant which was like the the kind of devil one I was like, oh mm. my god, the CGI is so bad. Um, <laughs> I don't that, know how that's I what makes it this. so good. I so, know, so but no, good. because back then when you were a kid, like that was literally so scary, so enthralling. Yeah, and, and the Weeping Angels was like one of the best things you've oh, ever I seen. Um, but yeah, no, I have a respect for Jodie Whittaker, and I think I just wanted to kind of explain, um, like, why we had this in queer sciences because, uh, yeah, it's just about how as a woman as a female we're seeing her as a representative um mm. and she is a doctor so she, she talks about all manner of scientific things um mm. and also a lot of queerness is brought on in the show so i think it's a really cool thing to talk about at christmas since i feel uh doctor who is a christmas kind of thing i don't know is that true as a oh i do uh, well yeah i mean i completely agree with what you just said that and um i do think it's got a christmas feel to it i think it's quite magical mm. um and Sreckerson was not my favorite doctor by a long shot but what i do really respect about him is that he really brought doctor who back and mm-hmm. uh, that i will be forever grateful for that leather jacket wearing um yes doctor i really think he did he like that that gas mask thing was insane like that episode yeah. like yeah it brought it back it did and I rewatched the last um, episode with the 12th Doctor recently mm-hmm. um, played by uh, the brilliant Peter Capaldi and I was really quite moved it was clear that um, in that episode he didn't want to let go of his current self and it brought back the first ever Doctor um, right from the first series and I really um, enjoyed the exploration of um, the kind of both the Doctors being stuck emotionally and physically and I think although it was comical to see them arguing with themselves um, it sort of explored a lot of different psychological and physical notions and you know of letting go moving forward processing change and it's all those kinds of things that Doctor Who is very very clever at doing very subtly and actually quite beautifully and I think it um, that episode in particular caused quite a poignant reaction across the world it brings joy um, to actually see a female there and, and how she kind of inter- interacts with the world um, mm. and the fact that she uh, references herself as like the doctor I think is mm. quite cool and not really yeah. she doesn't really talk about her pronouns and stuff um, and yeah even her clothes are kind of non-binary eccentric and kind of subtle um, yeah. hints of supporting the LGBT community and mm. I, I loved in the like last episode how there was queer kind of representation there and a queer storyline yeah. um, but um, knew who <laughs> just about <laughs> just about how the doctor yeah overcomes her adversaries is quite cool. I do like the fact that she's they're on this journey together. Um, mm. And for me, it kind of triumphs kind of humanity and the good parts of it as well as displaying kind of the bad parts. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, I, and also not just having to focus on white male leads, mm. you know, and not just having a companion being yeah. just the woman, you know, and all, and of course the companions have always had um, a really, really strong part to play, and mm. they've always been represented as equal to the Doctor. I feel no, anyway. They have not. In this, in what I'm talking about from Christopher Eccleston and okay. up, um, and okay. you don't think when no. you look at, at it's Rose, always like the doctors, like Rose was like as equal important in terms of like um, protagonists, as in like you cared about her as much, but she was she was never put at the same level as the doctor. Mm. She was never seen as intelligent, or she was just seen as his like partner in crime rather than like equal. Don't think there's ever okay. you ever really see them as equal because the doctor's deemed as so intelligent mm. and so wealthy and so like he can yeah. never be matched. That's well, then I point. guess e- even more important that that this regeneration was a female. And also we've got mm. Yaz in mm. this uh, series, like a really strong, free-speaking female Pakistani Muslim and police officer. And Ryan, of course, um, is dyspraxic mm. um, and and a, you know really really strong uh, part of the story. And 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 dyspraxia mm. is something that. It's not been explored in the show before Honestly, either. I found that insane. Like just seeing, just hearing about it, and mm. it's like it wasn't like seen as like you weren't getting bullied for it. He wasn't getting like ostracized for it. It's just something that he he just is learning or has mm. like that with all his life, and put it in the context of like riding your bike is so simple but also effective. Exactly. And I really did like that. Um, and that, I, I, what do you feel about the journey that they kind of taken us on in terms of the new Jodie Whittaker kind of show? Well, I feel like um, there's been a much deeper and more important story that needed to be told because mm-hmm. television is still massively lacking when it comes to representing marginalised communities. And one thing that Doctor Who has continued to do is really push representation. And I've really seen a style of writing and character development that puts um, BAME LGBTQ plus people into a widely watched... It's such a love TV show that has spanned uh, for more than 57 years now and also you know like children are watching this children adore this show and it's normalizing every type of person which mm. is how it should be um, and the doctor has some great one-liners um, of course but one that i really liked was i know exactly who i am the doctor the, 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 the doctor the doctor <laughs> the doctor starting out fairly across the universe apparently she's from glasgow <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the previous one I mean, I'm aware that we're kind of um, creeping up on the old time. Um, I kind of, I do, I think this is something we need to explore more. Um, yeah. In terms of not only our representation and, like, who gets to dictate who who is represented. I think mm-hmm. having Jodie Whittaker there is always a sort of, like conversation that needs to be mm. had isn't mm. what do we feel about her do we feel about something different do we and it is nice to see like that representation on the mm. screen in front of us proudly without having to ever allude to the fact that she's a woman i don't think anyone the fact, the fact i think at the beginning when she was like oh i'm a woman that was literally it and then from then on she's just been a doctor so i liked how that smooth transition mm. was but yeah i think we are gonna probably do a part two on this there's a lot yeah definitely um, but one thing i would like to say that the episode on rosa like which was to do with the rosa parks um mm. was really well done and i think is like a kind of a, a testament to how we can integrate our history into current day like mm. TV and shows and make it so that like people can see who have um, fought for them in, in terms of well black people anyway and um, but do so. that in a fun way which is what Doctor Who did um, fun in the it series did. 
Yeah, and it's never been frightened of storylines that delve into the political climate. And I really would like to revisit this and talk about the episodes like Light Ro- Light Rosa, um, because the, these storylines um, and episodes are mesmerising. Um, you know, it's run and mostly acted by white men for decades, and now we're seeing more than ever queer. Uh, black representation mm-hmm. um, and, and you know it, even Yaz has a conversation with her mum um, about um, the possibility of her seeing the doctor it's stuff like that you know that's really fun mm. and, and really really subtle and brilliant and quirky and that is what Doctor Who is to, to so so many people so I've loved talking about this um, we've definitely got part two yes, coming up we do, we do. <laughs> um, bring on the Heather Hogan's and the Marilee Backman's of today um, and let's keep them writing um, because they're, they're producing some amazing stories and Doctor Who is something that should be should be considered amazing so thank you for joining us today we really enjoy speaking about this Um, I'm going to go and have a a cute conversation with um, (laughs) Hans afterwards um, because more needs to be said but yeah and remember that all our um, all our shows and all of this is broadcasted live 7 to 8 on Shout Out LGBT Radio via BCFM thank you for listening Bye. Great podcast there, thanks to Hans and Laura. And they wanted me to mention the wonderful Jack Harkness as well, as a hero of Doctor Who. He was introduced as a character under the helm of Russell T. Davis, who is also the creator of Channel 4's Queer as Folk, a programme which unapologetically showed audiences an insight into gay life on the club scene in Manchester back in the late 1990s, and launched the career of Charlie Hunnam. Anyone a fan of Charlie Hunnam? Oh, good. Very, yes. yes. Very good. My God, Very he's changed is the days of um, queer as folk though it has to be said still a very good looking chap Uh, uh, Captain Jack was played by the openly gay actor John Barrowman uh, who's done loads of television work and but that made him a household name around the world and from the start Captain Jack was portrayed as omnisexual he was attracted to men women aliens and anyone in between (laughs) yeah I was going to say aliens I do remember that Absolutely, a bit of a blob, a rutan, you, or a cyber. You never know; it could happen one day. <laughs> well, indeed, exactly. Uh, he said uh, to the Telegraph in 2011, "What I love about Captain Jack is that he's not a stereotype, and he's certainly a member of the Doctor Who universe that we should celebrate." Definitely, yeah. something and his teeth are to be very, celebrated. very white. Who's Jack Jack yeah. Hartless? John Barrowman. John, John Barrowman. Yeah. Have you seen Isn't him recently? He gone grey? He's got grey. Yeah. Yes, yeah. like yeah, like someone grey. else we know. Andy. Uh, silver, silver fox. <laughs> um, well, I don't. I don't have hair these days. It's, uh, no. I mean, uh, what I have got is like pure white. <laughs> when we started, you were you were quite dark hair. I know. It's all your fault. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> working with me for ten years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you've watched them back at all recently, Terry. But the queerest folk. Um, uh, I, I look back and I remember at the time thinking, "God, this is just like it is." Oh my god, I've been to Manchester. I've done. It's like the scene is here in Bristol. I look back now. I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it used to be like that." Um, because yeah, it really was. <laughs> some people I know on the Manchester scene say that queerest folk killed it, killed Canal Street because after that it all became hen parties and yeah. a bit of a zoo type mm, of environment yeah. which some people resented but anyway uh, very um, interesting stay with us you're listening to shout out uh, we'll be Yay. back in a minute for more information about shout out radio visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt shout out lgbt radio for you
Uh, there you go, a bit of pentatonics there, and well, the song probably doesn't need any um, uh, mention. It's God rest you, merry gentlemen, but quite a nice professional bit. So, you like pentatonics, um, don't you? I do, and I've played them in ages. That's why I thought I'd, I'd like to slip them in for, for this one. Oh, so I stopped playing them because Ivan used to take the Mickey at me all the time. No wonder, of course, he took the Mickey oh. at you. Who, who pentatonics? Absolutely not. But anyway. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely yes. No, it's a very, very, a very good band, yeah. Yeah. That song uh, was actually good. pretty good, yeah. to be fair. Uh, it's, it's, it's more the fact that there's not a single instrument played, and everything you hear mm. comes out of their mouths. It's quite cool. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. So, uh, anyway, um, I, I believe we have a little bit of a kind of, well, not breaking news story, but um, <laughs> something interesting seems to be going on down in the t- centre of t- Bristol. Not that we do tut and like, yeah, but you know what? Yeah, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you tried something and it didn't work, okay. Well, so, yeah, Steph, th- Steph's apparently losing her Bristol accent for this week. I've yet to hear her posh up yet. I, I can't speak Bristolian <laughs> accent. No, no, Steph, that was. It was a good attempt. No, I, on BCFM, I got to maintain. It's part of my contract. I must maintain a Bristolian accent when on air at BCFM or radio. It's good to hear accents. It's yeah. good to hear accents. I like yeah, it. No. Anyway, Terry, what 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 is going on in the centre of Bristol? Well, of course, uh, there's a plinth which has been empty since the statue of Edward Colston was toppled in June, June the 21st, I think Gosh, it was. And uh, there's been a few unofficial installations that have gone uh, onto that plinth in the interim, not sanctioned by the City Council, but done by uh, activists stroke artists. And following the death of Dave Prowse, who was very important to many of us Bristolians, but probably not known around the world, except for one important role he played in a certain science fiction film. Oh, uh, yeah, the Green Cross Code Man. <laughs> he, was also, he was also Mr. Vader from uh, Star Wars. Now, he, he, he passed on on Sunday, and uh, uh, a statue of him has gone on that uh, plinth. Unofficial, of course, not sanctioned by oh. the City Council, so Darth Vader is up. That's kind of quite cool, though. Yeah, it'd be yeah, lovely if we could rotate them, right? Like, as in have different people who were uh, a monumental to Bristol, mm. who were actually nice. good. That I would like be a that idea, way. Laura. I like that yeah. idea a lot. Yeah, me too. And uh, yeah. Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker, of course, tweeted that uh, Dave Prowse was a really nice man, very lovely. But, but of course, you don't actually hear his voice in no. the Star Wars and when Wars you do, franchise. you realise just how Bristolian he was. He, he was cool. very broad. He <laughs> was very Could broad. you imagine Darth Vader with a Bristolian accent? That would be weird. <laughs> You're right, my lover. I'm just going to kill the, the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. It would be strange, you are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. He did actually say the words in the film, didn't he? he just. I believe so. It. it was dubbed by a, a man oh. called James Earl Jones. I believe. Uh, is the actor well, who did the best. He did have a beautiful voice. That's not yeah. a lie. <laughs> yeah, Wonderful. Well, a, a, a big loss. So, uh, anyway, that's it for another week. Just uh, twenty-two sleeps until Christmas, Lara. She rolls her eyes. <laughs> but there's still two more shows to come from us yet but you can catch up all the shows and podcasts on our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt next week we're taking a look back at uh, last year's LGBT plus uh, news in a bit more detail so uh, join us for that Uh, but from myself and the rest of the team say bye bye everyone
shout out. LGBT Radio for you.